Welcome to Green Tea Conversations, the radio show that delves into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine to bring you the local experts who share their progressive ideas and the latest information and insights needed so you can lead your best life. I'm your host, Candy Braffel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings magazine, and I am honored to bring these experts to you. Today, we are visiting with Dr. Margaret Litchie Miller of Neighborhood Naturopathic in Edina. Dr. Miller will work with you to identify and resolve disturbances in your health by supporting your body's inherent capacity to maintain optimal function. Welcome to our show, Dr. Miller. Well, good morning. Thank you so much for having me this morning, Candy. We are so glad you are with us. We have so many different things that we want to get into today with you. Um, Having an expert on our show in naturopathic medicine is always a big deal for us. And we always have so many different topics that we can talk about. But today, before we get started, I always like to ask our guests to please kind of share with our listeners what your journey is that brought you into becoming a naturopathic doctor. That's such a great question. I love sharing my story. So I was brought up around medicine. My, my father is actually a traditional medical doctor. So I grew up um, actually following him to uh, home visits and um, even following him in the lab. And it was always a, a very strong fascination of mine. Um, After I graduated high school, I went on to obtain a nursing degree and I was a nurse for six years Mm -hmm. before I decided that I wanted to uh, move forward and become a doctor. So at that time, I started studying for my MCAT. It was during this time that I was doing a lot of shadowing of other medical doctors and uh, kind of the theme that I was seeing was Uh, The doctors were overwhelmed. They were seeing, you know, 30 people a day. They didn't have a lot of time to talk with their patients, explain things and answer their questions. And most of the time a pharmaceutical was prescribed. And then we would see that patient back a couple of weeks later because they were experiencing side effects of the prescription medication. And then they were prescribing another uh, prescription medication on top of the medical prescription that they had prescribed previously. So this is something that I saw quite often. It's uh, frequently referred to as polypharmacy. While I was doing this, I was also going through my own health journey. I was changing how I ate. I was changing how I moved my body. And I was seeing such dramatic change that I was really surprised in how powerful these changes could be for my health. Now, while I was studying for the MCAT, I was starting to have some conversations with people. And I was you know, describing my concern about how I was going to be the kind of doctor that I wanted to be if I only had five minutes with patients and I couldn't be able to share this uh, experience with them on how maybe doing diet and exercise and doing a home, more holistic approach could even possibly prevent them from taking these pharmaceutical prescriptions in the first place. And that person told me that I just told them that I wanted to be a naturopathic doctor. Oh. So I looked into that. And while I still went forward with my MCAT, I I decided to not um, go into conventional medicine. And I went to naturopathic medical school. And the rest is kind of history. You know, it's always interesting to me how many 
nurses I talk to who start the holistic approach and kind of start their own journey and their own, you know, many of them take different paths, but so many of our practitioners um, actually come from a nursing background and, uh, and just like you have. So tell us about your clinic. Tell us about uh, some of the things that you do. And you also uh, your partner at the clinic is your brother, correct? Yes. So I, I kind of like to joke that we put the new spin on family medicine at <laughs> Neighborhood Naturopathic. Um, I practice alongside my brother, Dr. Andrew Litchie, and um, I kind of take on the women's health side. And he has his own specializations such as uh, chronic infections and uh, kiddos on the spectrum. Uh, so he does a lot of that stuff. And we both focus in general primary care because that's how we're trained as naturopathic medical doctors. We're trained as primary care providers. So at our clinic neighborhood naturopathic, we have a fully functioning lab and we do also have uh, three uh, RNs that help us treat our patients. And we do a multitude of uh, services and we, or we have so many different types of testing options. We also have a full medicinary that is now open to the public. We just uh, launched our online store that you can find on our website at neighborhoodnaturopathic.com, which we are very excited about. We mainly deal with, uh, you know, very broad uh, spectrum of the community. And we like to be engaged in that and provide education and also help our patients find relief. Yeah, your website is very, very thorough. Going through your website, there's just so much great information in there. And I do like your new dispensary. So congratulations. That's very, very uh, nice to be able to have. Uh, But for people who are interested, you, I mean, you have a really good explanation of all of the different services that you offer. So uh, highly recommend people go to that and we'll give them your website again at the end here. But uh, we always have, well, I guess where I want to start is May is our women's health issue. Uh, with Natural Awakenings. And because women's health is one of your specialties, I wanted you to come in and kind of share with us some of the different different maladies that you may help people with that you treat people for. Uh, But I also want to talk a little bit about give people kind of an explanation about the background of uh, women's medical health, and kind of what we've seen in allopathic medicine over many decades, many, many years, perhaps even centuries. Yeah. So I feel that I went into women's health because I feel like so many times and way too often our voices are muffled. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's, it's very disheartening and it's very frustrating. And too many times, uh, women come out of a doctor's appointment, not feeling heard, not having answers and potentially even in a worse place than then they walked into the appointment. And I think that we deserve a practitioner that will listen to us, that will validate our concerns, and that will work with us to get to the root of our health concerns and provide us with the options that we seek. Mm-hmm. And it really has been, I mean, when we take a look at women's health in a historical perspective, it tends to be that 
we get overlooked, that our symptoms are not as easily understood, that they, that sometimes doctors don't get as much education, especially in hormone health and how that affects. So we tend to uh, get prescribed medications that are very, well, there's a, a, you wanted to talk about a couple of medications that actually people that you see most often in your clinic. Yes. So most medical doctors, the way that they practice is by standard of care. And if you go into a medical doctor with a particular symptom, it's likely that you, they will prescribe you a particular drug or have a particular protocol based on the symptom. And it's like you go into a box automatically. And I think that that is probably the most common problem that women will have. The most common things that I see at the clinic is when women go to the doctor about a specific health concern, they will either leave the office with a prescription for an antidepressant, which is quite shocking, shocking to most of them because they walk out thinking, well, I didn't know I was depressed. Why am I being given this? Or they will be given uh, birth control pills. And that's very common. And it, that can also be a little bit concerning because many of these women are not necessarily in need of the birth control for actual contraception. Mm -hmm. And then another one that we kind of talked about is a drug called metformin. And, and this is a, another standard of care type drug that is prescribed if a woman comes in with symptoms of a condition known as PCOS or polycystic ovarian syndrome. So we are going to get started on PCOS right now. So help us to understand what is PCOS? Great question. So polycystic ovarian syndrome is a condition um, that is a very, very common among women. And that's because it can be diagnosed with a lot of different criteria. So there's going to be uh, three different types of criteria that physicians will use. And it can be really easily thrown around. And sometimes I, I find the words or the diagnosis thrown around when there's no diagnostic procedures such as ultrasound or blood work even performed. And then it gets even more complicated because there are types of poly polycystic ovarian syndrome. There's insulin resistant polycystic ovarian syndrome. There's post pill PCOS, there's inflammatory PCOS, there's adrenal PCOS, and then there's hidden cause PCOS. And these are things that are not discussed by a medical doctor. They're not really educated or informed on these different types. And to be quite honest, a lot of these types can be easily resolved with diet and lifestyle changes. And you're not educated about that. So this is a great place for us to take a break. And when we come back, we'll get into each of those and a, a little bit more in depth so that we can help people understand it better. So for people who want to learn more about what Dr. Miller and her team does, visit neighborhoodnaturopathic.com or call 612-259-8529 to make an appointment. And again, that number is 612 259 8529. To read the online version of Natural Awakenings magazine, visit naturaltwincities.com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back.
to Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today's guest is Dr. Miller from Neighborhood Naturopathic. So just before the break, we were beginning to talk about a, a syndrome that affects women called polycystic ovarian syndrome or PCOS. And you were sharing with us that there's many different types of PCOS that doctors often treat kind of all of them as the same. So let's get into a little bit about what each of them are, how they present, and then what you can do to treat. Yes, that's great. So I just wanted to start out too, and how this usually presents, most women will go to the doctor if they are having irregular periods, their periods are heavy, or they are having symptoms related to acne, um, excess hair, or just basic PMS. Mm -hmm. So what happens is they go to the doctor, they talk about their symptoms. And if you have irregular periods and you have something called elevated androgens, and that will usually be evaluated through blood work, another type of diagnostic criteria that needs to be met for a diagnosis of PCOS COS will be a vaginal ultrasound. And what they're looking for there is something called, or frequently called a string of pearls on the ovaries. And and that refers to the polycystic ovarian or ovary, poly meaning many, um, and ovary cysts on either and or both ovaries. So those are some of the diagnostic criteria. Now, once you meet those, then they will talk about how to treat it. And we talked uh, before the break about common medications such as uh, birth control pills Mm -hmm. or metformin. Now on the metformin, let's dive into one of the first types of PCOS known as insulin resistant PCOS. Now, when we talk about insulin, a lot of people are gonna think about blood sugars. Now, when you go for your annual, you get your fasting glucose measured. And if you're lucky, you're going to get something called an HbA1c measured. And that's going to look at your blood sugar over a three month period. What you're not going to get measured is your insulin. And this is going to be more of an evaluation for this insulin resistant PCOS. What's probably going to happen if you go to your MD is they're just going to give you a prescription for metformin and this will lower your blood sugars. But if you're insulin resistant, it is not going to solve the problem. One of the things that I like to do is evaluate for insulin sensitivity and then talk about how you can resolve that with diet and lifestyle. You know, and unfortunately, one of the things that we would have to work on is quitting the sugar. And that is so hard. I mean, who doesn't love to sit down to a nice big dish of ice cream after dinner? Like we all do. It's so true. But there are other things in a lot of foods that we don't even realize it's in. Oh my goodness. It's so true. I mean, how many friends do you have that have a Yoplait yogurt for breakfast every morning? Right. And shockingly enough, that Yoplait that is so delicious when you have for breakfast has more sugar than a candy bar. And you just don't know that. And if you knew that, how would you even uh, start to make changes that are smart? Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I work a lot with my patients about is how to modify their diet and how to modify their lifestyle to uh, resolve this insulin resistance. So that is the one, one of the types of PCOS. And, and you, 
you can know if you have insulin resistant PCOS, if you meet all the criteria for the PCOS, such as irregular periods or elevated androgens, plus you have the insulin resistance, Mm -hmm. you would know that if you were evaluated through blood work, and that might be a little bit tricky to get from your MD specifically have your insurance covered for these tests. And and that's something you need to discuss with your MD because you don't want to get a bill for a bunch of money um, unknowingly because money is tight a lot these days. What is another one of the PCOS? Yes. So the next one, this gets a little, the plot thickens here, Candy. (laughs) Um, One of the next types of PCOS is something called post-pill PCOS. Now we, we talked about how a lot of times when people go in with symptoms of PCOS, they are prescribed birth control, okay? Oral birth control. Now, what happens when you go off that oral birth control? PCOS can sometimes occur. And we're talking about the irregular periods. We're talking about elevated androgens. And this can go into something that I refer to as post-birth control syndrome. Uh, These symptoms usually will will occur uh, around three months stopping a birth control pill. And I see these patients in my office uh, frequently, um, those that have been on the pill for years, and now they're trying to conceive. Mm -hmm. And they're wondering where their period went. And they're concerned that they're not going to be able to conceive because they have no idea if they're even ovulating. So what about some of the newer types of birth control? Are you that are not the pill, not pill based, but more. Yeah. So maybe like an IUD or maybe like an implant. The implant is more what I was thinking. Mm-hmm. Well, this is something that is very good to discuss with your doctor. Is it hormonal? Is it not? If it's hormonal, then you want to understand, is it preventing ovulation or not? Because there is a difference between that. If you're suppressing ovulation for an extended amount of time, it might be a little bit more difficult for your body to resume that once you take it out. And in order to conceive, you you need to ovulate. Mm -hmm. So, So that's something to consider there. And also considering what these types of birth controls are depleting and far as far as nutrients, right? Right. Yeah. So what about, do you see uh, PCOS happening in older women as well? I, I'm just thinking about some of my friends who I know have been on birth control for decades. Sometimes yeah. until they go into menopause. Yes. Yes. That's so true. PCOS can really arise or develop at any stage of life if you're a menstruating woman. So there's no um, set time or age that this can arise. Most women that I see will come in and they'll say, gosh, I've, I've, I've always had horrible periods. This is something that I've lived with my whole life. But also what I, I will see most a lot very frequently is that women will have a baby And then after they have a baby, things will be very different. And and that's concerning to them as well. So let's talk about that a minute too, because is it normal for, I mean, I know it's normal, but is Mm -hmm. it, I think sometimes we just kind of assume that our periods are really have to be really hard on us. They have to be, you know, very uncomfortable for us. and, And people just kind of get used to having really bad periods. 
Yes, it's so true. Your period should not be affecting your daily life. If you are having to stay home from work because of your period, or even if you're popping ibuprofen multiple times a day during your period, that's not normal. And you shouldn't have to do that. Okay. And I encourage you to talk with your doctor. And if, if your doctor is not necessarily receptive, then I also encourage you to keep on looking until you find someone that'll listen. Right. And so for people who are looking and who are experiencing this, you may want to go to Dr. Miller and her team to see how they can support your well-being. And to do so, you can get more information at neighborhoodnaturopathic.com. Or to make an appointment, you can call 612-259-8529. When we come back, we're going to continue our conversation about PCOS and other syndromes that affect women's health. You can find a podcast of this show on am950radio.com, on Apple and Google Podcasts, and anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Green Tea Conversations, where we delve into the pages of Natural Awakenings magazine and talk to the professionals who share their expertise on natural health with you. I'm your host, Candy Braffel, and we are talking with Dr. Margaret Litchie Miller of Neighborhood Naturopathic in Edina. And just before the break, we were starting to talk about a couple of different types of polycystic ovarian syndrome, or PCOS, uh, that can affect women. And uh, there are, so we talked about insulin resistant and we talked about post pill uh, PCOS, uh, but there's also a couple of other ones that kind of all get lumped in together. So what is another one? So the next one that I see frequently is a type of PCOS known as inflammatory PCOS. And I'm sure that most people listening are familiar with the term inflammation and how that can be relevant to chronic issues. So inflammatory PCOS is unique because you have the symptoms of PCOS, such as irregular periods or elevated androgens, but you don't have the insulin resistance. And then your periods are not, necess not necessarily affected by the pill, but you have signs and symptoms of inflammation. And these can include, but are not limited to digestive problems like IBS, unexplained fatigue, headaches, joint pain, and skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis. Okay. So what are some of the things that people can do then. So maybe a treatment or some of the treatment options that they have. Yes. So this is going to be all about reducing that inflammation. And in order to do that, we need to determine what is, what are some of the main causes of your inflammation? And, and this can be uh, very broad. Is it your diet? Is it your lifestyle? Is it your job? Is it your, you know, your family life? Is it stress? Like what is causing this inflammation? So that can be, um, take a little bit of digging to really determine what might be this, the, the main cause, right? But once we determine that, 
altering the diet and the lifestyle while also adding on some anti-inflammatory supplements and herbs. So sometimes we need to address the IBS, what is causing the IBS, how to resolve that. A lot of inflammation resides in the gut and then any type of other issues, you know, the, the fatigue, the headaches, are you experiencing headaches because you have PMS symptoms relative to estrogen dominance, or you, are you experiencing headaches because you're dehydrated? These are things that are all gone over in an intake appointment. So we kind of determine what is really causing this. So you really are both a doctor and a detective. You're kind of getting this. (laughs) It's like inspector gadget (laughs) or, you know, or like what I like to say, it's like, you come to me with all these pieces of the puzzle, but you just can't find those last two pieces. Or maybe you have the pieces, but you just can't figure out where they go. And that's kind of where I come in because if you'd like to do puzzles, you know, sometimes you just need that extra set of eyes. Yes. Exactly. And I I think this is what is so exciting about uh, naturopathic medicine is you have the ability to to have that time in order to really delve into what's behind the issue instead of instead of simply treating it. Sometimes we need to have it treated because it's so intense um, and we're just looking for relief. But in the long term, you really want to delve in to figure out what's causing it so that you can resolve it at that base level. That's right. Because a lot of people that come to me are on prescription medication and, and they're just not excited to be on that the rest of their lives. No. Yeah. So what is the, what is the final, uh, PCOS syndrome that we Right. So the final one that we're going to talk about today is adrenal PCOS. And I also feel like this is a a term that is being talked about a lot in the medical and just health community, adrenal dysfunction Mm -hmm. and adrenal glands. You have two of them and they sit right on top of your kidneys here. And what they do is secrete and make hormones. So it makes sense that they could be related to you know, endocrine and hormone related conditions like PCOS. Now, the issue here is that adrenal dysfunction can really correlate to that because adrenals correlate with stress. Okay. Can you, if you can find a woman out there that is managing her stress well, and, you know, doing Awesome. Will you please send her my way? Because I want to know all of her tips and tricks and she can probably patent some of those and make a bunch of money. (laughs) Exactly. Right. And and this is also a common thing with moms too. you know, people that have just had babies or they had multiple young children or even one young child. It's stressful. And the stress doesn't necessarily stop because you can't pick and choose when you are a mom or when you're not. It's a 24 seven job. Right. So once again, how can people, uh, what are some of the protocols that you use for treating this? Some of the things that we will evaluate with this specific type of PCOS is adrenal function. And you can do that in multiple ways. There are saliva tests to evaluate cortisol levels. You can also evaluate your cortisol level by a blood test. And you can also just talk with your practitioner about trying some nice herbs to help your body adapt to the stress. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then, you know, I'm always going to go back to diet and lifestyle. That's a huge factor that should be addressed. And, and not only just 
giving the patient information on what they can do, but you also really need to talk with the patient about things that will really work for their lifestyle, because what will work for me isn't going to necessarily work for you, Candy. So we really need to discuss what is your life like? What is your schedule like? So that we can determine a plan that is doable. So, so well, especially are- if you're talking about like a young mother who has several children, she might not have the time to really do some of the protocols that other people would have, um, you know, such as brewing teas that take hours and hours and hours to do or, or take a lot of attention. If there's some things that you can help them do, that's not going to add more stress to their life. You really want to be able to look at that. Right. And the other thing is too, that sometimes when you go to the, my favorite, this is my favorite example, you go to the doctor and you get on the scale and they're like, Oh, you know, you should probably lose some weight. (laughs) Okay. That that's great. Like, yes, I want to lose weight, but how do I do it? Right. You're sent home. You're told how you need to lose weight, but you have no idea how to do it. What are you supposed to change as so far as what you're eating and when you're eating it? So Those are things that naturopathic doctors are so good at helping their patients do what, you know, how are you going to modify things to reach, to reach your goals and how much can you realistically handle, right? Well, very good. So that is uh, just one of the many symptoms or the many maladies that you help women with. Uh, We want to get into some of the other ones as well. So another thing that you often treat in their clinic is something called uterine fibroids. Mm -hmm. This is something that I think affects a lot of women these days. So what is uterine fibroids and kind of how do they come about? So uterine fibroids are, are basically going to be a mass of excess tissue that is produced in the uterus or in the you know uterine lining in something called the myometrium. There's multiple places that they can occur where they grow in our reproductive organ. But really what people will come into their doctor complaining about will be painful periods and heavy periods. And this can, um, one of the best ways that I gauge heavy periods is I will ask the woman what type of menstrual protection they're using and how often they're having to change it on their heaviest day. Mm-hmm. So if, if you're experiencing things that are a little bit of a abnormal or irregular flow there, it could be caused by a uterine fibroid, the way that they're going to determine this will be through ultrasound. So an invasive procedure. So one of the things that I will definitely talk to people that are coming in with heavy periods or period pain is screen them for iron deficiency anemia. Uh, This can be very helpful in causing a reduction in menstrual flow. Unfortunately, when you are anemic or have iron deficiency anemia, the more anemic you become, the heavier your flow becomes. It's a vicious cycle. And I, yeah, you would think that would be actually the opposite. Exactly. You would think that if, you know, you're, you're bleeding very heavily that you wouldn't have more blood to give, right? It's quite the opposite and it can become a vicious cycle very quickly. And many women will become very tired and they won't know why. And it just gets worse. And I will say up to 90% of the women that I work with at the clinic, when I screen for iron deficiency anemia, the ones that are menstruating are iron deficient 90%. Oh my goodness. Do you think that that's something that has 
gotten worse over time or is this something that we're just noticing more now? Well, it's hard for me to say because, you know, I, I see women that are already experiencing it, but I do believe that it is getting worse because I think that there is a more of a thought that this is normal and that this is something we have to endure. And, and this is part of being a woman that menstruates. Mm-hmm. We have our period, we need to deal with it. And, you know, we're just going to have to suffer whether it's three days or even 10 days, you know, women that are bleeding for 10 days a month, that's not okay. You, you need to talk with a licensed healthcare professional about that. So is this also something that you find is hereditary? Like if, if you've seen it through generations, and I think sometimes that's why women just assume it's, it's normal. It's like, well, my mother was like this. My grandmother was like this. And yeah, it's like you've been suffering for generations. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's such a great point. I always ask my patients about their family history. Like, did your mom experience this? What, what about your aunts? Do you have any sisters? What, what are they experiencing? Because yes, I do think that, that there is a connecting point in genetics there. Absolutely. So what are some of the things that you can do um, if you're suffering with this? What are some, how are some of the ways that you treat? So when we come in with people come in with heavy periods, uterine fibroids, um, some of the things that they, we will be discussing is if they've seen their MD, they're going to be invasive procedures that their MD will discuss as options. So a lot of times we'll we'll discuss those and that will really depend on the size of the fibroid if they found one. Um, Now there are herbs and nutraceuticals that I have used to actually shrink fibroids. I have been successful with this. I can't guarantee I'm successful with everybody because I'd be an irresponsible doctor if I said that, but there are great alternative options for people to consider if they really want to avoid surgery. And if they do end up having to have surgery, how do you support after that? Because I'm sure that's where they can come in and really get some great care from you. Oh, that's such a great question. I'm glad you asked that. There are lots of options that we can discuss and provide to patients to increase the healing, to prevent infection, and make sure that those, uh, that the tissue remodels the best that it can. For people who want to learn more about what Dr. Miller does and how her team may support your well-being, visit NeighborhoodNaturopathic.com. You're listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and we will be right back. Green Tea Conversations. I'm your host, Candy Brothel, and today we're visiting with Dr. Margaret Litchie Miller of Neighborhood Naturopathic in Edina. Just before the break, we have been talking about so many different issues uh, facing women and getting into several of the different maladies that can affect women, including uh, PCOS and uterine fibroids. But one of the ones that we hear actually, I hear a lot about uh, more so now than ever before is endometriosis. Help us to understand what endometriosis is and how you help support your patients who come to you with this. Yeah. So endometriosis is one of those conditions that is the least understood. 
by the medical community as a whole. So we're all still learning a lot about it and trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. And really the best way to diagnose this is through an invasive procedure, unfortunately. So if you really want a true diagnosis of endometriosis, well, then you're probably going to have to go uh, undergo a really kind of an exploratory surgery. They're going to go in there and they're going to look for endometrial tissue. Okay. And the endometrial tissue is not just necessarily present around your uterus and your ovaries. It can be in your bowels. It can be anywhere in your abdominal cavity and it will potentially uh, create adhesions. And these type of complications can result in extremely painful days from women. And it doesn't even correlate necessarily with their cycle. So most of the time, women that have endometriosis, they will come into their doctor because they are just experiencing so much abdominal pain. So explain to us what the endometriosis actually looks like or what it, how it actually presents on a physical level. Yeah. Uh, it will usually present on a physical level with abdominal pain. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it will also present with digestive issues, especially if there are adhesions in the bowel. But really what's going on is the endometrial tissue that is supposed to remain in the uterus is going outside of the uterus and growing in the abdominal cavity. And this again is not as understood, but if we do know that estrogens are a growth hormone, they make things, they create healthy eggs. They create a healthy endometrial tissue lining to create uh, or support a healthy pregnancy. If we think about it in that respect, you could potentially correlate endometriosis with excess estrogen or imbalanced hormones. Mm-hmm. So when I'm dealing with patients with endometriosis, I am looking at their hormones and then I'm also looking at how they are processing their hormones or lack thereof, because it's not important just to look at your levels of hormones, but it's also equally, if not more important to understand how they are being broken down and gotten rid of, because if you're not getting rid of them, they're going to be going back into circulation and creating havoc. And this endometriosis can really affect a woman's ability to get pregnant as well. Yes. And and this is how I am seeing most of my endometriosis patients currently. I am seeing them when they are basically establishing care with a fertility clinic. And the endometriosis actually, it's almost like a web, correct? That kind of spreads out inside your abdominal cavity and it can actually wrap itself around your organs. Yeah. And it can be very exquisitely painful. And uh, for you to treat, you're treating with more natural remedies. So you're treating with the herbs and that. And do you find that sometimes if, if caught early enough, you're able to help people to keep them from having to go in and have surgery? It's possible. I'm actually working with a patient right now who's very young and was brought in because uh, the mother has a history of this. And the history is so strong in the family and the patient is already experiencing symptoms that they want to be very proactive. And um, while the patient is not anywhere near interested in uh, growing a family right now, they would like to in the future. So, uh, you know, protecting their fertility is their number one priority. So that's interesting. So you're actually helping them in the teenage years. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see if you're able to kind of stave off or help them to stave off the 
need to have surgery in order to have this removed because yes. generally that's what women end up doing. Correct. Yes, it is. And then is there a point in their life where the endometriosis then shuts off? Is it after they mm. get menopause or do they continue to? Oh yeah. It, not necessarily. I I've, I've uh, worked with women who are postmenopausal and still experiencing symptoms related to the endometriosis. Oh my goodness. And that would make sense if we're going back to the estrogen piece, because even when you're postmenopausal, you don't stop making estrogen. You just make less of it and you make different forms. Uh, so if this is theoretically a condition where this tissue and the growth of the tissue is reliant on estrogens, you are going to be dealing with this long-term, even post-menopause. And as long as we're talking about hormones, let's talk mm -hmm. a little bit about uh, testing hormones. Yes. So most MDs are going to be evaluating your hormone levels through your blood. This can be helpful. However, this only gives a snapshot of what your hormones look like on that day. And what is being missed is how your hormones are being processed and broken down in your liver. And what also is being missed is if you are, for lack of a better phrase, pooping your estrogens out. If you're not doing that, um, they will be going back into circulation. Okay. So the way that I like to test hormones, my favorite form is something called a Dutch test. A lot of people have probably heard of this. It's uh, produced by a lab called Precision Analytical, and your listeners can actually Google that lab and look at the Dutch test and what it entails in detail online. And you're saying Dutch as in D-U-T-C-H. Correct. Yes. There are lots of different types of them, and you can get a, a basic type of hormone evaluation, and you can even get a Dutch test that will evaluate your hormones through your entire cycle meaning that you're going to be obtaining samples throughout your entire cycle, which is very cool. This is one of the tests that you use? Yes. To help yes. people understand their hormones better. Yeah, it's one of my favorite tests. It provides so much information and is so valuable to not only the practitioner into providing effective treatment plans, but also helping the patient understand what is going on in their body. And I think one of the things we, we are coming up at the end of our show now, but, and I wish we could get into this more, but yeah. really in traditional allopathic medicine, uh, doctors in their training only get hours, just a few hours of training on hormones and hormones are the things that run our entire body, all of our lives. And so if you're really looking at getting some good information about your hormones, seek out a clinic such as Neighborhood Naturopathic. And for people who really want to learn more about what Dr. Miller and her team can do to support your well-being, visit natural, neighborhoodnaturopathic.com. Or to make an appointment, call 612-259-8529. Well, thank you so much for being with us today, Dr. Miller. It's been a pleasure having you. Yeah, it's been a lot of fun. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for joining us today as we awaken to natural health. You've been listening to Green Tea Conversations on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and I am wishing for you a lovely day.